You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa, the lead economic development agency for Canada's capital. We teamed up to produce this special series to celebrate women leading in Ottawa for International Women's Week. In support of its women founders and owners strategy, Invest Ottawa offers programs and services that enable and accelerate the growth and success of women entrepreneurs from every walk of life. Visit www.investottawa.ca slash women to learn more. This is the fifth episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Haile, and today I am here with Dimple Thomas. Dimple, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much, Naomi. Um, How are you? I'm doing well. It's Thursday. I went for a walk right before we started recording this episode. So I'm really, really blessed to be here with you. I was ecstatic when I heard that you were going to be a part of the series. And so I'd love to really delve into kind of your entrance into tech, the work that you're doing around DEI as well in the workplace. And for the audience, I'll give you a little bit of context on Dimple. Uh, Dimple Thomas is an engineering manager in the cloud RAN systems DevOps and theme driver of diversity and inclusion at Ericsson, a global leader in providing mobile communication solutions. She graduated with honors from McMaster University and got her bachelor's of mechatronics engineering. Dimple currently manages a team of engineers responsible for systematizing and verifying end-to-end radio access network requirements on cloud native architecture, leveraging telemetry and the power of open source, artificial intelligence, and machine learning tools to monitor changes in cloud RAN system behavior in an innovative world-class development environment. Thank you, Dimple, for, for being here. It's a pleasure. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your origin story and kind of how you grew up, where you grew up. Yeah, uh, I'd be glad to. So I uh, grew up in Dubai and I came to Canada when I was fairly young. So I came to Canada for my bachelor's degree uh, at McMaster University. And then after I did my bachelor's degree, I did a co-op term with Ericsson as they say the rest is history. So I, I, lo- I love the company and I decided to stay on. And now I've been working at Ericsson for the last six years. Wow. And you've like really navigated the organization in an interesting way from co-op student to managing a team now and doing working on some really interesting projects. Can you kind of share what that learning experience was like for you, especially you know, kind of coming into a large organization right after school? Yeah, when I joined as a co-op student at Ericsson, I got I got a lot of really good opportunities and I always tried to stay positive and take the opportunities as they came my way. I was also quite blessed to be in a fantastic supportive team with a lot of technical experts. So the technical expertise and the work culture and, and just the, um, the friendliness of the people, the humility also of the experts that I got to work with. So I would say in general, I haven't really charted my career trajectory in any special way. It was, it has yeah. mostly been just being open to opportunities that came along my way and always trying trying out new things, staying curious and staying passionate in the, the mm-hmm. field. Uh, so that's sort of how, uh, I, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but like opportunities found me, so to speak. Um, but then there was also a conscious effort from my side to stay curious and stay positive and take opportunities as they came along my way um, and, and mm-hmm. take risks, um, I would say also. Yeah, it's 
It's been really interesting to hear more and more people talk about staying open to things that, you know, it's very difficult to plan for what the next five years are going to look like, especially in this lane when, you know, your industry is changing so quickly. And oftentimes you don't know if you're going to like something without you actually being immersed in it and saying yes to the opportunity too. So I'm glad that you talked about that. I would be also curious to know with autonomous vehicles, I know in 2019, there was a 16 kilometer uh, test track that was opened up in Nepean for autonomous vehicles technologies. And I remember in our very first conversation, you talked about your involvement with it. Uh, with this initiative. Can you share a little bit about what your experience was like? And according to Invest Auto, it was, this was the only facility of its kind. What was it like being a part of that initiative? Yeah. And you know, it, it's very interesting because this is an area that I've been super passionate about technically, sort of autonomous vehicles and just the different applications that one can have in use cases with telecommunications and what 5G enables us to do now. So in fact, I had the fantastic opportunity to actually visit the site last week. After a long time during the pandemic, we had to take a lot of our operations remotely. And it was just such a pleasure to see the evolution of the use cases and uh, different demo scenarios that uh, now this technology enables to us to do so it is the first of its kind in that it is the true first four season weather track which means that we can test the true winter we can test in true whiteout conditions etc and what this really does is it, it enables the ecosystem for a lot of new players in the industry like small medium enterprises and innovative yeah. people across our uh, sector to come and uh, just plug and play and, and have this amazing capability that um, Ericsson's g network offers them to execute these amazing use cases a lot of them now are geared to, uh, towards uh, really a society and innovation for good so it's uh, up to every creative person's imagination to again imagine possible and, and uh, explore the possibilities that we have now with 5g yeah and we have seen especially in the telecom space so many different evolutions and I can imagine being at the heart of it and actually being a part of what innovation looks like and how we have to adapt also to the customer too, because their needs are changing as well. I know we just went through a case in class and we talked a little bit about how telecoms has changed through to the, even the end of the 20th century. And then around 2012, like when customer behavior started to change around communication behaviors, where we went from like traditional voice to wireless and then with the iPhone releasing in 2007, people just started using more data, right? And so I'm wondering from your perspective, being at the center, companies really need to see what's happening in the market and move quickly. How has being involved with like innovation hubs and part of these different initiatives, how has that opened up your view on the future and like what's coming and what's happening? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the main the main thing is what uh, Invest Ottawa has enabled us to happen is to work across boundaries. So we have yeah. this uh, perfect mix of academia, research, industry partnerships, government, really an incubation hub. Uh, mentality where we can try out so many different uh, scenarios that uh, we may not have had uh, as much of an ability to co-create together before. So I think that is where I, I certainly see that uh, this has come extremely valuable for us because what it has helped us 
now is to when we work with a lot of different people and co-create between boundaries we explore the full possibility of technology and, and where it can take us so whether it be a use case driven development of our work or seeing in practice how the products that we offer and how they could be used and how they relate to our end customer um, I think all of that is explore like it's been fantastic to have this as a way to explore the capability true capability of our technology as someone who is on the technical side what does being in an industry that is so like sensitive to different technology changes and things that are happening society wise how has that been for you navigating your career does it feel uncertain or does it feel like exciting? How do you frame it and how do you look at developments in the future? Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just smiling a little bit because that, that's a very interesting question. And I kind of personally, I, I feel like I'm always, I like, I gravitate towards risk and the unknown. So uncertainty is actually very, very appealing to you because it tends to be the area where you can explore a lot and innovate a lot. So for me, I, the equivalent of an adrenaline junkie with a technology uncertainty junkie, right? So um, no, but it is very exciting. Uncertainty is exciting um, to, to uh, most of us in technology because it really mm-hmm. shows us the it, it allows us the room to um, create something. Right. Um, and and it, it offers a lot of possibilities and and just having coming together there's there's power in coming together to fix problems and i think fundamentally those of us in the technical sector and especially you know when you come with an engineering background fixing problems is what you love to do so i think like that yeah. hope opens a lot of like excitement for us yeah you that's a really interesting point and i'm sure there are a lot of different I see that as being a spectrum of people being comfortable in uncertainty and in the unknown and folks who just want a little bit more stability in their life and being able to match that like if you know that that's something that you're looking for to be able to match that to the thing that you work on um, day to day is so powerful I'd be curious to know just in terms of what you're seeing with regards to women in STEM and from the perspective that you're in right now what opportunities are you seeing for reskilling and upskilling? I know a lot of companies are talking about this right now in a managerial role. From your perspective, what opportunities do you see? Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. Yeah, I. Uh, so in addition to my technical role at Ericsson, I'm also the theme driver of diversity and inclusion at Ericsson. So we are very, very involved and very in tune of uh, the current landscape. And the reality is our demographics are, are changing. Um, the world has changed a lot uh, from what we have known. And it's really opened up a lot of, I think, a lot of theoretical knowledge that we had in this area is now really put to the challenge and put to the test in that we have seen how important it is to have diverse voices when it comes to product development and diverse thoughts when it comes to thinking about solutions to very complex problems. So I feel in that perspective, it is absolutely critical for us to nurture and grow diverse talent 
whether it be technical or non-technical. There's a place for everybody. It is very important for us to continue to attract top diverse talent. Pipelines are are slowly but surely expanding. So what I often tell, especially girls and women, is not to self-select out. So please do apply. Please do take the chance. Again, when you see a job description, it doesn't mean you need to um, fulfill all of it. Just uh, please do apply because that's how we at least get the input, get diverse talent into the system, so to speak. And then the, the other more challenging part which we need to take on as leaders is to create safe inclusive environment where that talent has potential to shine right so Mm -hmm. and that comes into retention etc the job market is expanding beyond our boundary uh, beyond our imagination so to speak so please uh, do continue to apply and 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 the only way we can fix and build technology for everyone is if it is created by everyone so Mm. we are very very focused on that. Yeah, this is such a great point. You're a theme driver of DNI initiatives. And then you, can you talk a little bit to us about what that means for work that you also, because it's my understanding that part of that work is also um, involved with working with high schools and university outreach. So can you just shed a little bit of light around what that looks like from an external perspective and then also working with employee resource groups as well? We work a lot with, we have a lot of internal Ericsson employee resource groups that uh, work with different intersections of pockets of diverse individuals. The concept of employee resource groups um, centers around the fact that a group of employees that share similar experiences or challenges and bring a voice out to those uh, experiences or challenges they can mobilize to have a group that fully understands what that ERG is going through. So that is the concept of of ERGs and and, and we have a lot of internal employee resource groups within Ericsson working with all intersections of diversity and the intersectionality between different pockets of diversity. So each of those groups works with a different targeted external works with could work with multiple external partners. So we do have for instance, in Ericsson and Ottawa, we have a very strong partnership with Carlton University with their women in engineering program and always call them pockets of, of groups because those of us that are passionate and interested and involved in uh, the DNI space, uh, we tend to know each other also. We tend to find each other between, again, all kinds of like boundaries. So um, it is a group of us that are really trying to make it uh, more uh, inclusive uh, in tech. So part of the work that we do with some of between these boundaries is we work with high school groups we work with other type of diverse research areas etc yeah that's really interesting i was um looking at some stats and it look i don't know how it's improved over time but in 2019 and this number is probably still the same or similar to women make up about 48 percent of the workforce and then this is these are u.s numbers but according to the u.s census bureau women only really make up 27% of STEM workforce. I'm wondering if you're seeing just on your end, I know looking just on a local level, does that resonate? Does that seem off? And and what are some of the things that you've been seeing in your position? Yeah, unfortunately, I think we've moved the needle quite a bit, but we're not there yet. I think that's the reality. And uh, it comes down to some of the previous things I was talking about with there not being enough applicants applying to job postings, etc. We are working a lot with our diversity 
champions and partners to tailor our job descriptions and requisitions to address uh, the needs of more diverse talent so that we get more applicants. I again highly encourage and strongly, uh, strongly encourage especially women not to self-select out and to uh, apply to different jobs even if you feel like you may not hit all of the requirements on those job postings. I think that is a very scientifically proven fact. And and so the unfortunately, as I mentioned, the number does resonate with me um, and we are trying quite hard to move the needle faster. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'd be curious to know, Dimple, just on kind of your experience in terms of the investments. Like you've talked a little bit about how you've aligned yourself in an industry that really resonates well with kind of what you're looking for, your values. Can you talk a little bit about some of the investments that you've made in yourself? And it doesn't necessarily need to be like financial investments, but investments that you've made that have helped you move up within your organization, take on really cool opportunities, build relationships. What has really been helpful for you that would speak to somebody who's starting out their career or early in their career? Yeah, um, we talk a lot about situational leadership, and I think that that does, to a certain extent, hold true when you're um, at any point of your career. I think one needs to know themselves and knowing um, sort of like what are your strengths and what are your areas of development, so to speak, and then creating ecosystems and teams around you to to just get the best out of the team because I think that's been something that I've always looked at creating very diverse teams so that as a team the group succeeds in terms of what investments I I mean personally I think what has worked for me is just being really open to opportunities and and then when you get something like putting your best foot towards it and doing your best towards it I think that's also important because that just opens up uh, more opportunities so I would say if you do, if you're passionate about what you're working on and you do a good, and that will kind of resonate to you doing a good job of it, um, opportunities will tend to find themselves towards you. And then it's a being open to them and taking the risk. Taking risks in your career is extremely important because that is kind of what helps you grow and not stagnate in, in, in areas. And then there's a place for everybody. I mean, that's the other thing I tell people often is that you need to find your place, uh, whether it comes to an organization or, or find, find things that motivate you and drive you and then gravitate towards them as well. So because that helps again with the passion, etc. So, but yeah, I, I think it, it is just really about knowing that there is a place for everyone and then as they say, taking the seat at the table, right? Taking the opportunities as they come your way. I'd be curious to hear what your perspective is on taking career risks. Like, how would you actually define that? Is it taking on opportunities that that you didn't necessarily know about previously that is so wildly different from what you're currently working on? Like, what is a career risk? When you say that, what do you mean? Yeah, I think it is also, uh, when I say career risks and what I've done in, like, I can only again now talk to my career, but it is about taking on roles and positions that I did not personally feel I was ready for when I took them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to even like management positions or team lead positions, taking them even before I thought uh, I was ready for them. I, I have been very blessed to have amazing mentors that have also worked with me to help me understand that 
it's about how you grow into a role and not knowing absolutely everything when you take a role, but just again, taking those kind of risks. And sometimes it is also like, you may not have a role model um, that you can kind of say, like maybe the positions that you're taking has never been occupied by someone like you before too, right? Which is not, which tends to happen, but then it does not mean that you cannot be the first to do it either. So, but I would say that is what I mean when I say career risks is either moving into roles when you don't think you are ready for them because you will grow into those roles if you're passionate about it. And also technically, moving into technical projects where the technology is very, very cutting edge and very new because you may not uh, have the answers, but that's what makes it fun is you co-create with your peers to find the answers and solutions and, and experiment. And being okay with failure, I think that's the other part. Time and again, I, I think I've seen so many people be so afraid to fail. Um, and, and what we always say is you need to fail fast and learn. Being open to experimentation and what I always say is failure is okay as long as you learn from it and, and grow from it as a person. Yeah, that is very sound. And it reminds me how at any stage of your career, how important it is to align yourself with a solid team and a solid company that is able to help you develop in those ways, right? Because the worst is like going into a role like that and not having any support or any developmental opportunities, right? But it's, it's really great to hear that you've had that system around you. And as you mentioned before, that ecosystem for you to kind of thrive and, and do well and work on some of really exciting projects. I'd be curious to know, as we kind of wrap up the episode, on your, from where you are right now, what are some things happening in the telecommunications industry that you're keeping your eye out on that you are, as a team, maybe focused on uh, developing in the near future? So obviously, there's a lot that's happening in our industry right now, but the few areas that I'm really looking at right now is the area that I'm working in currently, which has to do with Cloud RAN. And what that means is offering cellular and telecommunication networks on cloud native architecture and software, which really enables us to do incredible things that have not been done before with being able to use full compute power of, of cloud-based technology and what we have around us to help with end user um, scenarios and use cases. And the other area, of course, that I'm looking at is uh, all of the work that comes out of what we are doing with Invest Ottawa and Area XO. That industry is super amazing with the technological evolution in that area. If the pandemic has shown us anything, it, it is, I mean, one of the main things that it has shown us is the power of connectivity. And not only is it connecting people, but also connecting things, connecting people to things, connecting machines to machines. And I'm really excited for what the future has to hold in this area, connecting everything and imagining possible. So if I had to pick two, then these would be the two areas. I am so curious with the space that you're in, what does that mean for customers? Like, what does that mean for consumers, um, specifically the RAN aspect that you mentioned in your, the first part of your answer? So as, as an end user or as a customer of a cellular network, what this means is that now you get to experience the power of fully enabled 5G plus networks, right? So you get to experience very fast speeds, very low latency and uh, higher bandwidth. So 
again, what that means in terms of real, like what you experience daily is just, um, yeah, just this uh, Zoom calls that don't have uh, interruptions or YouTube video that downloads faster or a Skype session with your loved ones uh, halfway across the world that has uh, no interrupts, maybe into the future holographic technology uh, where you can actually see your families right in front of you. So all of this is leading us towards those amazing use cases that really will make a difference in the end consumer's life. I mentioned holographic technology. There's also emergency first response. There's also telesurgery. Yeah, yeah. There's also telemetry. So I think there's so much uh, now that there are so many Use cases that used to sound like science fiction before are not that far away, if that makes sense. So with the full power of 5G plus network and the ability to get all of this, you we can actually see a lot of things that felt futuristic happening and they are happening now. Thank you for that. that. I'm excited too. Thank you for that uh, clarity. Because um, I think at the end of the day, there are so many guests on the show. They do fascinating things, but there are so many different segments, so many different careers that I didn't even know existed because they're so specific. And I think it's really powerful when guests are able to share like what it means on a, on a local, on an individual level for just the way that you live your life. And telecoms plays such a massive role in our, you know, especially now in our daily conversation. And just the way that we use um, we use our phones, which are basically attached to us at the hip. And so, thank you, Dimple. Thank you for for being here, for uh, sharing your experiences on the show, and being a part of this incredible Invest Ottawa series. I'm wondering what the best place is for people to connect with you online. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Please do reach out to me. As I mentioned, the DNI community is always ever growing and ever wanting new partners, uh, and uh, so is the tech community and the innovative tech community. So please do reach out to me. I would love to chat with you if you have any questions in either or any of the spaces that I talked about. I learn as much from you as 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 we do in most interactions. We all learn from each other. Uh, the best way to connect with me would be through LinkedIn. So you could look me up. I guess there might be a link. Hopefully that yeah, gets I'll have the link. Yeah, I'll have yeah, a link uh, to Dimple's LinkedIn profile in the show notes, so you can go ahead and click that and connect with Dimple and all the amazing things that she's working on as well. And so, thank you to the audience for taking the time to listen to this episode. We will catch you in the next one. I, I also want to take a minute to thank you, Naomi, for being a fantastic moderator and, and just having such an amazing dialogue with you. And, and um, thank you for the amazing opportunity to explain a little bit more about uh, my industry and what I do and my journey. And I really appreciate the fantastic, well thought out questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dimple. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa, the lead economic development agency for Canada's capital. We teamed up to produce this special series to celebrate women leading in Ottawa for International Women's Week. In support of its women founders and owners strategy, Invest Ottawa offers programs and services that enable and accelerate the growth and success of women entrepreneurs from every walk of life. Visit www.investottawa.ca slash women to learn more.